Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table, where we discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director of Cultural Engagement for the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And our topic today are ministers in transition. And you can look at the color of the hair of the three people around the table and you can know immediately what kind of transition we're talking about. We're going to move, talk about the discussion of moving out of a senior pastor's role into other forms of ministry as ministry changes um, as a minister moves towards the end of their career. And I have two wonderful guests to discuss this with. Uh, Ken Horton, who's been ministered in Fort Worth, right, for a long time. How long were you? in Fort Worth. Uh, 30, 27 years at the church. 27 years at the church. And uh, and Hal Habecker, I keep wanting to put that L in there, Habecker, uh, who has been in the – you ministered in the Dallas area, right? Yes. For, yes, sir. For a long time. And uh, so th- they each lead their own ministries, and I'm going to let, th- let them tell you their story. So Ken, we'll lead off with you. Tell us uh, first the ministry that you had, and then uh, – um, and, and I well, I'm going to ask you both this. When did you graduate from seminary so people can sort of put a date on, on the length of your career? And then what are you doing these days? I graduated in 1981. Okay. Uh, met my wife in a ministry in North Carolina. Came back to Texas in 1984 and was at McKinney Memorial Bible Church for 27 years. Hmm. Part of that time as the associate pastor and then for 23 years as a senior pastor. And we had an intentional transition. Worked with the elders for about eight years on that transition, and finished that ministry in 2011. And my brother and I began a ministry called Ministry Catalyst, and we focus on launching multipliers personally, in church context, and with strategic partners all around the world. Oh, that sounds great. I've got all kinds of personal questions I want to ask you, but I will refrain from doing it now. Um, uh, Hal, what about what about your experience? When did you graduate from seminary? I finished here in 1978. Okay. Met and married my wife here in the uh-huh. middle of my third year. Okay. Spent five years on staff at First Baptist. Uh-huh. You had time to pursue a relationship while you were in seminary? I did. I did. What, what was wrong I with us? I got married in the middle of Hebrew. <laughs> I got married in the middle of Hebrew? Yes. Okay. Very good. I taught a group of physicians and dentists at First Baptist Church for a long time. Oh, wow. And then I joined up with an organization called the Christian Medical Society. Oh, sure. Ed Robinson yeah. was the head of it here. Okay. Well, were you there when Ed Bloom was? I was. Okay. All right. I was. Good. Yeah, I worked under Ed. Okay. I was a field director, a national staff director, and then I became general director. Okay. And for the last 22 years, almost, 21 and a half, I was the pastor at Dallas Bible Church okay. out in North Dallas. And then I just left a year ago, this, this week actually. Hmm. And we've launched a ministry called Finishing Well Ministries. Mm. It's focused on older people, mm-hmm. an older generation, number one, staying on the cutting edge of their spiritual life. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't check out as disciples growing in grace. Yeah. And staying on the cutting edge of the local church. Mm-hmm. The local church is focused intensely on younger generations. And older people seem to have been forgotten in many ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm just focused on older people, what's God's purpose for you, what's his mission for you, and step up and let's do it. Oh, wow. That's great. Well, let's let's dive in here. Uh, let, let's talk about 
uh, moving towards transition, which kind of be phase one. So you're, you know, you're in ministry. You've been there in many cases for uh, several years, more than a decade in one place, that kind of thing, and it begins to dawn on you that maybe you're not here forever. Um, explain that thought process, because I have in mind here for this podcast, not just the people who've already made that decision, but people who may be wrestling with making that kind of a decision. Ken, what did you go through in, in thinking through the transition? You said it took eight years, so obviously you spent some time thinking about it. I would say that, that if you stay in a church 20, 30 years, mm -hmm. you will have gone through two or three major transitions before you leave the church. Okay. So that every eight to ten years, there is a sense in which the ministry has to be re refocused, mm -hmm. redirected, perhaps uh, shaped in a way that allows the ministry and, and the pastor to make the most of the next season. Mm -hmm. And I certainly see that in the years that I had at McKinney. We had building programs and relocations, but also changes in our focus and our, our approach to ministry that helped make those seasons fresh starts. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I knew I didn't want to be a pastor into my 70s, mm -hmm. so I went to the elders and told them that, that we could do a regular transition, a traditional mm -hmm. transition. I'd finish, and when I was through, they could find somebody, or we could do an intentional transition. They chose the intentional transition, and we spent four years considering different people that might be a possible candidate to be the pastor. We found a fellow mm -hmm. who over time proved himself to be that person, and so I left right before I turned 60 with the, the excitement of starting a new ministry, hopefully for the next season of ministry. So that so by intentional transition you mean you worked a transition in which there was a clean handoff from you to the person coming after you. I, I finished on a Sunday and he started on a Monday. Oh wow. And uh, we worked with that through that process with the elders and it was I think as positive an experience as as we could have had. And did you have him come and minister in your midst while you were still there, or was the transition a clean switch? He actually joined our, our staff mm -hmm. as a singles pastor mm -hmm. and proved himself in that role, mm -hmm. or young adults pastor, mm -hmm. actually. And as he demonstrated his skills at that point, uh, about a year and a half before I left, the elders came to the conclusion he had the, the, the kind of qualities they were looking for, and they approached him about that. And then we spent about a year and a half after it was announced to the people about a year after it was announced to the people that he would be the next pastor. Mm -hmm. And so there was a very very strong sense of him, we're running the race, uh -huh. I'm leading the race, uh -huh. he's running with me, and so... Mm -hmm. uh, and you're out of the corner I, and the baton's about to and, go. And then I yep. got out of the way. Yeah. Got off the track. And and you do, and I take it you left the church after leaving, or...? Uh, I, I was convinced that uh -huh. the best way for me to bless him was to be involved in another church mm -hmm. so that people would not be looking to see my facial expression every time something <laughs> changed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's made it very easy for me to focus on a new ministry. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've had people say, you just seem to be so happy. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, if that's the biggest concern you got, that I'm so happy in this new ministry, then then that's an easy problem for us to work through. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well that's that's interesting. The intentionality of that is interesting. It's it because that's actually probably its own podcast. The decision about how you actually make the transition and the options that a church has in facing that. How? What about your situation? Well, my situation is a little bit different, but okay. uh, somewhat similar. You know, I was there for. 
21 years, mm -hmm. I felt, as maybe an athletic coach might be in some ways, uh -huh. I took the, the church as far as I could in uh -huh. one sense. Mm -hmm. I, I was a little bit sensitive to my age as well, mm -hmm. you know, in communicating to a younger generation. Right. Now I communicate well to my kids, <laughs> grandkids and all those things, but, you know, just the mindset of a boomer right, right in the middle of his the aging process is a whole lot different than a millennial or right. the Gen X. And I found myself feeling the distance between those two. They didn't get any of your illustrations. They were all too yeah. old, huh? <laughs> That's true. You know? yeah, those yeah. kinds of things began to turn in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I also felt, really, I had taken the church. I had done my best there. Mm -hmm. And I felt my season was finished there as mm -hmm. I processed it with the Lord and with my wife and elders. And so we started the intentional move. You know, we mm -hmm. talked to the elders probably four or five years ahead of time mm -hmm. and said, you know, by the time I'm 65, mm -hmm. you know, not that I picked that age as a retirement age because right. I didn't retire, but, yeah. you know, I picked that age as a good year to make a transition. Mm -hmm. So that's what we worked for. Mm -hmm. And I transitioned out of the church a year ago, uh, this week actually. Hmm. And how did you work the the follow-up? Because it, was it like the way McKinney did it, or was it a different? It's a little part? bit different. Okay. Uh, the elders exempted me from the whole process. Uh -huh. I, I didn't have any say in mm -hmm. the search for a new pastor. They selected a firm to help do that. Mm -hmm. And I moved out of the church for four or five months. Hmm. They wanted me to disappear mm -hmm. and uh, not be involved. So, so they were in a transition in which they were doing pulpit supply yes. until they yes. made their selection. And they made their selection just two months afterwards, mm -hmm. and he was able to start two months afterwards. So four months after I left, the uh, Aaron Armstrong, he started, mm -hmm. and he's doing very well. Mm -hmm. I'm somewhat back in the church, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm preaching other places, so you're in and out. You know, I'm in and out. Yeah. I, you know, our friends are still there, so mm -hmm. I want to be supportive and want to be involved. So I haven't taken the track to disappear. But I want to be very supportive and encourage everybody there as well. Yeah, this is great because. And if we want to see somebody, we just go to Costco's on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, we see where you used to go, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, you know, the beauty of this is, is of course, you know, we didn't talk about your stories ahead of time, and so, so I'm I'm hearing this for the first time, and we're, and what we're seeing is really the reality that there are a variety of ways to make the transition. And, uh, and with, with probably strengths and weaknesses coming with each of those, those approaches and, and sorting that out is, is part of the detail here. Yeah, we're not thinking about a blueprint saying this is one size fits all here, but thinking yeah. about the principles that are involved. So, and, and listening to you, I'm hearing two things um, on the one hand. In both cases, it sounds like there came a time when you realized that you, in, in terms of being able to minister to the church in terms of where it needed to go given the nature of its makeup and to some degree its demographics, you realized uh, the church could probably be more effective with having a, uh, a younger leader. Um, and then the second thing uh, that I'm hearing is, is thinking through um, what's the best way to do that without being too disruptive to the local community that I'm a part of? Am, am I, am I, now, am I missing anything in, in that or are there? And I'm sure some of yeah. what how 
was experiencing is true for any man in his 50s right uh, moving towards 60 my main focus was i knew i had another type of ministry that i wanted to be involved in I that see. included more travel so there was a, something pulling more, you more missions yeah I, i'd been the chaplain of the tcu football team for a long time so right. there was a sense of connection with younger adults that i enjoyed but i wanted to have a different focus and a different level of of relentlessness uh-huh. that the local church brings to you so uh-huh. uh, b- b- more flexibility but still that's where I was going but still maximum right focus on on what you felt like was most important in your Okay ministry. that's interesting the, the 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 thought that that in the transition of ministry actually comes uh, a different package in which you have I uh, use the word flexibility I was actually going to ask you about that directly um, uh, there's this flexibility this additional flexibility that you can have that allows you to be in one sense I don't mean to be pejorative here but as you slow down you get more nimble uh, you know because you don't have the constraints right. of of just the institutional demands that a local church puts on a pastor, uh, some of which are probably nice to have behind you. So uh, um, I don't know about Ken, but I love that. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's really it's really freeing. Yeah, and 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 and, and you end up and, and both of you have ministries. I take it that are focused pretty much in the age group in which you're you're functioning as well, or is yours crash crash. My mind covers, covers guys the whole. in their twenties to guys in their sixties. Oh, really? So it's just open ended so, in terms so of open ended discipleship, faithful people. Okay, and there's some young ones and some old ones. Oh, that's great. Okay, and um, okay. So now the next obvious question is: transitions can be scary. Okay, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you 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 dream and you hope that it's going to go in this direction, but when you're actually in the midst of doing it, who knows? Uh, well, the Lord knows, but Sometimes he isn't telling. So, uh, so, so, you know, how what what's that part of the experience like? Or, or, well, I th- I think uh, the the transition is built on the the ministry, mm-hmm. and so the degree of confidence and communication and and integrity that you've experienced in that ministry is really the basis for being able to have those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that. It, it it's important to to really make sure you understand mm-hmm. what both parties are thinking through in terms terms of timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had a, a good experience. The elders were very gracious to to help us get started in our new ministry, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was a, a very positive thing. But it is, it, I think, you need to 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 work on communication mm-hmm. and make sure you understand what what that's going to look like, and not assume that. That you know what what's being talked about, mm-hmm. just about practical things uh, regarding: uh, is it going to be best for me to stay or to 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 to, to go to another place? What what does that look like? We were in agreement on that, but mm-hmm. if you weren't in agreement on that, that would yeah. be an important thing to sort to be out. clear about. Yeah. So, um, and, and I think the guys that I've noticed that do a great have a great experience are ones who are excited about something in the future mm-hmm. when they're living with their eyes in the rearview mirror about what used to be for uh-huh. them or for their men, wife in particular, mm-hmm. that can be a very difficult experience. Oh, no, that's an interesting observation. Um, uh, I might come back to that. That's, a, that's an interesting observation. If, Al, if I could hitchhike yeah. onto that just yeah. briefly, I think it's important a transition or a retirement f- – it's not retirement. It's a transition from something to, to something. something. Yeah. 
And it's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And it, it's really helped me in my ministry because I'm working with a lot of retired people mm -hmm. who then have to figure out what are they doing for their next season of That's life. That's right. But their, their life situation is no different than mine. I mean, mm -hmm. I think God wants us to make a transition from working full-time to continuing to work for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not retiring. You're not stopping. You're mm -hmm. not slowing down in that sense. Mm -hmm. But you live with a sense of mission that's just as relevant as when you did before. So I find myself in that same transition mm -hmm. to a new ministry. Mm -hmm. So I'm experiencing what I'm talking to other people about. Now, Reass reassignment, not retirement. Okay. Reassignment. Now, here, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. This is the question that's floating in my head, that, and th there's a part of my personality that has a pushback element in it or thinks and thinks and okay what am I hearing this sounds wonderful but uh, so th this, this question is kind of coming out of that package and that is you guys are obviously talented you've had long experienced ministries um, you have you had a place that you were planning to go to and leaving that kind of thing but I imagine there are some people who transition out of ministry for whom they they don't necessarily consciously know what the next step is um, and I suspect you know people who have found themselves in that situation as well. Yes. What 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 does what does that look like? Because you guys had places to go and land. Um, in some cases, the, of course, the nice thing about you, both your situations, you got to talk through your transition as well. In some cases, people who transition out of ministry late in life. Um, don't have that privilege, if I can say it that way. That's the nice way to say it. And, and, and so, you know, a, a minister who's given years to a particular community all of a sudden finds himself out on the street. Uh, what what kinds of thoughts do you bring to that scenario in terms of how to think about transition? You know, Peter Drucker says he's a, he's not a pastor consultant as such, but he has a lot of wise things. He said you need to start thinking in your 40s about what you're going to do the rest of your life. And if you don't have a plan by the time you're 50s, most people who don't have a plan don't transition well to retirement. Interesting. So I'm thinking you know, all along, you know, what's God doing in your life? How, does, uh, how do you process life? What do you see yourself doing in five years, ten years? So somewhere in your 50s, you really need to be thinking about this. So my encouragement to any pastor would be, or any church leader in any capacity, you know, what is God taking you towards as you age? Mm -hmm. I think it's a critical issue. And if you don't do that, I would think a pastor may be no different than anybody else who doesn't ask those questions for himself hmm. or herself. And, and I think you, you do have to anticipate the transition. Mm -hmm. And the transition could be from senior pastor to pastoral care pastor. There are lots of other possible exactly right. transitions. Yep. Uh, there are some pastors who don't need any compensation. I was not one of those. Mm -hmm. I, I knew that my transition was going to involve an, a, a organization that was able to provide a measure of compensation for what I was giving my time to. Mm -hmm. And so that took time to prepare that and to, to, to uh, set that, that whole process up. But I think uh, you need to count the costs. There are some financial costs, mm -hmm. and depending on how well you've been able to prepare for that, that's something that, that, actually that, my next that, question. that impacts yeah. how you're able to, to move forward. And there's relational costs. Mm -hmm. uh, both of our wives Work through the issue of not being able to be around people that they'd given twenty five their life plus years yeah. to. Yeah, uh, and and my wife work 
struggled with it for a while, but she loves one-on-one discipleship. Mm-hmm. And when she began to pour her life into four to six women every week, mm-hmm. and the men take about an hour and 15 minutes to work through our conversation, they take about three hours <laughs> yeah. to work through their conversation. Okay, I'm not going there, uh, but go so, ahead. So, so, so <laughs> they, they just enjoy it more yeah. than we do. Uh-huh. So I think that really cushioned the relational Side part of, of that. Yeah. And then she began to find herself talking to pastors' wives of in, that were working through whatever issues. So she has a very full ministry experience, and we now have some grandchildren, so that, that makes it all, yeah, all that, wonderful. Yeah, that's a gap filler. <laughs> the other thing I'd add to that, you know, I had to ask myself the question, you know, starting, leaving the position, mm-hmm. raising support, mm-hmm. am I willing to live by faith like I've preached everybody else to live by faith for the last 40 years? Mm-hmm. You know, will I trust God to provide for us? Right. And develop a new ministry and support mm-hmm. and friends and all of those kinds of things. and. You know, God is very faithful, as we all discover, but there's a step of faith that every one of us has to Nat- take. A natural question, and don't ask you to disclose anything you know, that's too personal, but uh, were, there, were there pension uh, elements to, to where you found yourself, or were you completely on your own in terms of uh, the m- amount of service you'd given to the church? For, for me, I'm mostly on my own. Wow. Uh, we the church was very generous mm-hmm. to uh, put me in a status so that they continued to pay my mm-hmm. insurance, medical insurance, mm-hmm. and our agreement was they would do that until I turned sixty-five. When mm-hmm. I get on Mer- Medicare, they're no longer responsible for that. And then they've made a a, a meaningful contribution to my ministry organization to get you help you to help you help you going. Yes, that's right. Keep and you they've going. been very very generous in that regard. Not in other words, enough. To, to get the pro, to seed money uh-huh. on a yearly basis, and that will change when I turn sixty five. So, so it's interesting. So that neither of you really have walked out of this with a with a pension arrangement. The the ministry that you're moving into is really the me, core means of your income. Yes, absolutely. it is for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, um, we're we're. But I would I would say I would, yeah. Go no. Go I ahead. Would, I would just say this. I'm, I would imagine you've experienced this too. When you've poured your life into people for 25 years, mm-hmm. and you're doing something that they can see the fruit in that in that ministry, mm-hmm. that has not been a onerous experience. Yeah, yeah. It's people, a rewarding. It's step a reward. It's a rewarding experience to see how God works to provide for us. So, yes. so in other words, you've gotten. Uh, I think I'm reading between the lines, right? You've got people who have helped you with the transition, who you've built into their lives, and they're continuing their support with you in this new endeavor Absolutely. and are walking through it with you. And 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 we've had some surprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people we thought were going to be with us. Yeah. And then people we hardly knew were really with us. Wow. Yeah. Some transitions are smooth. And some transitions are actually quite rocky. And although your stories are positive ones where the transitions have gone well, um, we're all aware of transitions that aren't so neat and clean. Uh, what advice do you have for people who have, who have <laughs> kind of crashed to the ground as opposed to have had a smooth landing? I would just say that there's no transition that's perfect. Mm-hmm. And so everybody in a transition has caught a elbow that they weren't expecting to catch mm-hmm. on, on the way out, mm-hmm. even the most positive one. So, but, but in one where there's been real hurt and real woundedness, uh, th- to stop and to, to face that 
directly is going to be a critical part of a transition because as long as you're looking back, sort of sorting through the anger of the wounds that you've experienced, you're going to be neutralized for anything that's going to be fruitful and joyful in the future. Hmm. So I think for that person to say, you, this is an important issue for you to work through. You're angry. You don't feel like you were treated well. You don't feel like you were appreciated the way you should have been. And so this is this is an important first step for being able to enjoy whatever future God has for you. So you can't carry that with you mm-hmm. and expect to have a fruitful final season of ministry. Hmm. This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. Hmm. A couple things come to my mind. Uh, First of all, the scriptures are filled with transitions Mm -hmm. of all kinds. Mm -hmm. So if people don't think about transitions, in one sense, you're not paying attention to the scriptures. Everything is a – life itself is a whole transition process Mm -hmm. over decades. And I think uh, that, that goes back to our relationship with Jesus. I think it's the most critical thing. People who don't land well or become bitter, disappointed, you know, there's. it's hard to process all that with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if he's in it and ahead of it as he orchestrates life, mm-hmm. you know, we all believe in a sovereign God except mm-hmm. when it hurts, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I think it's terribly important to process life at a deep level with Jesus all the time because if you don't, you get hung up. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to have good friendships. You know, Vicky and I had a strong core of five, six close couples who walked through this entire process with us. Mm-hmm. And they held our arms up like Aaron and her held mm-hmm. Moses up in the battle. And then the other thing, you need to con- converse well with your elder board. You know, and, and that's when a lot of hurts happen. If the mm-hmm. leadership teams are not on the same wavelength, mm-hmm. But you have to keep working at that. That's an annual, almost a weekly, daily process in the life of a pastor. Or how are you working through all these things? And if you get hung up at some point, you know, uh, the plane may crash and burn. And then you just start, you need friends, you need Jesus, you need time away, you need to get refocused and uh, press on. Yeah, because it seems to me that they're, they're in the transition out, if it's an uneven one, you, you can stay in the hurt. You can, you know, some people just uh, they crash and burn because they burned out. I mean, they've just haven't managed 
manage uh, their experience well or circumstances have gotten beyond them. Uh, so that's an option. But it also strikes me on the other side that when I think about ministry, I, you know, I walk into – I mean, we live in Dallas-Fort Worth where there's a lot going on. There's all kinds of opportunities for terrific ministry. If you didn't have somewhere to land, it isn't because there aren't opportunities to minister. There are all kinds of possibilities. And it seems to me that that, that – uh, uh, thinking through different kinds of ministries that might need good volunteer experienced help uh, might uh, might actually be a way to help transition into a type of recovery by becoming useful again in ministry uh, if you're willing uh, willing to undertake that and, and look at that. I mean, is that is that another way to think about um, you know completing a, a rough transition? As long as you're focused on yourself, you're you're going to be stuck. Mm -hmm. and, and as a person begins to to give their lives to other people and use the gifts God's given them, they hopefully will have the a little more perspective to address whatever they've already experienced, and they begin to experience the blessing and the joy that God created us for. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the thing that I've discovered about going through hurtful times is that. When you learn how to do that, when that becomes something that has a healthy outcome, mm -hmm. you're prepared for ministering to a whole host of people because everybody you know has been hurt. Mm -hmm. And the human response to hurt is anger. And so That's there's right. just no there's nobody yeah. in yeah, your circle. Are, sheep or dirty. Yeah, and so <laughs> nobody that we know doesn't need encouragement as they work through life's hurts. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, one of the things we've done, and I don't know what you did in Fort Worth, we had a band of brothers, so to speak, of about 12 to 15 local pastors who, who just met regularly hmm. to process what's life in the church like hmm. and how to encourage each other because everybody goes through challenging times. Uh, and that, that was incredibly valuable. I mean, a pastor, I mean, we're not lone rangers. Mm -hmm. You know, we need friends around us. Right. And we need to be processing. Uh, on, on this issue, uh, I think the more proactive you can be, I mean, even I'm thinking about mm -hmm. you and what you would do after, yeah. you know, and moving into this role mm -hmm. here. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you thought a long time about that. I yeah, mean, I you... do, but Mark doesn't want me to think about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think you need to be creative and ask your friends, what has God gifted me to do? If you're struggling, mm -hmm. uh, where do I go? If you don't have a sense of transitioning to something, well, that's okay. Let's pray. Let's trust God. Let's lean into Him and lean into friends. And do the kinds of things through which God will open doors. Yeah, if you if you allow your identity to be so closely linked with being the pastor of a certain church, you will increase the trauma of that transition. Hmm. That's and really so true. I was very intentional about about having identity. I enjoyed being the pastor at McKinney Church, mm -hmm. but that was not my identity. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you choose to. To think about and address years before you actually are no longer the pastor of Dallas Bible Church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's the essence of the spiritual life. We are in Christ. We yeah. are not. Our identity is not what we do. It's not in our skill set. It's not in our giftedness. It's not in who we're married to. It's not who our kids are. It's not who our grandkids are. It's not where we live. It's not our resources. 
our identity is in Jesus, and that's where you see all the transitions. In Your the citizenship is a heavenly citizenship. You're in, you know, you're d described in this life as being in exile, which kind of implies that you're moving from place yes, to place. Yes. It's your picture of transitions, etc. Sure, all of that is in play. The, you know, obviously, the hard part of this is is that because we're we're so located beings, and we often are culturally influenced. Sometimes our identity gets uh, gets misdirected in terms of where we find ourselves and we, we wrap ourselves up. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, and, and this, this risks dating the podcast a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm thinking about, um, and you don't think of a spiritual example coming from this place necessarily, but I'm thinking of Ronda Rousey, who just got you know, beat, beat. Uh, in, in a famous uh, um, match. And uh, she did an interview yesterday in which she describes being in the locker room after she lost, having suicidal thoughts because she says, if people don't care about me uh, because I'm no longer the champion, who am I? Yeah. And it's it, it's this is what you're talking about, you know, the identity placed in the wrong place, and so she was immediately dislocated by the loss, and the pain was so deep, um, and 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 then she immediately transitioned, strangely enough, to what her future was going to be, and. And in thinking about her future, she transitioned out of the very scary place she was finding herself kind of unexpectedly having landed in. And I, I think that's actually a very normal set of emotions in some ways if you get, if you get dislocated uh, to end up in, in that kind of uncomfortable space. And, and, and some of the men I'm discipling are men who have, in their late 50s, early 60s, left prominent positions in a business or as a medical doctor, mm -hmm. and they go through the same issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. I'm no longer practicing medicine. Who am I? Mm -hmm. And if they're followers of Christ, one of the things we've discovered when they begin to focus on discipling three or four guys a week, mm -hmm. they discover, a, a, I think, a more biblical understanding of, of their real identity that's, yeah. that has a lasting opportunity in a way that being a vice president at Lockheed Martin isn't going to provide. because yeah, ministry and ministry never stop. And so, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in the church or you're in a business or whatever, ministry and mission, at least theoretically, should never stop. And so, so it's, it is a transition, but it's not a retirement. And, that, and I think there's value in thinking through and then responding to the way God has built us to serve exactly. until, you know, until he calls us home. So. Uh, well, that's interesting. I, we could stay here, but I do have one other topic okay. I do want to transition to, and that is: all right, we've we've uh, you know we've thought about the transition, we've executed the transition, and now and we've even figured out: okay, we're going to even have a support team as we move into the transition. What's the transition like once you finally get to where this new place is that you're going? What what uh, what advice do you have for people who are who are headed towards or are thinking about entering into that phase of the discussion? Well, my first thought is enjoy it. I mean, it's been, this past year for Vicky and me has been a real gift. Hmm. You know, it's the Lord's opened new doors. You know. Vicky kiddingly says, "You know, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch." <laughs> but you know, our whole life is different. Our uh -huh. marriage is different. Our mm -hmm. schedules are different, mm -hmm. and we have entered into those. And the only thing I'd say, and reflective, it's important for a pastor and his spouse, his wife, 
to really process this together because the hurt may be different on different sides, hmm. and it's important to process this under the leadership. It's of the not Lord. just your transition; it's no, our transition it's too, very much. And yeah. I think for her, in a sense, it's it's more difficult than me. I'm transitioning out of something to something else. And she goes along with it and, mm -hmm. and is a very part of it. But, you know, immediately my whole mind and heart is focused on a new mission. Right, right. But it takes us both some time to get up to speed on that. But I have loved it. Hmm. I have loved not having the adorable routine at the church where I'm thinking about the staff, thinking yeah. about the worship order, thinking mm -hmm. about elder meetings. And I'm focused on what it is that God has me doing, and I'm really free to do that almost 100%. I feel the creative things flowing as I mm -hmm. haven't felt you know, in the past, and it's just been fun. If you keep talking, we're going to have no one in the ministry. <laughs> <We're not here. laughs> I, I, would, I would echo that. Yeah. It's given me a chance to have maximum focus on a few things mm -hmm. that I know are very fruitful and that I'm gifted to do. Mm -hmm. It gives me not only time f flexibility, but spatial flexibility. I, I've, I'm not very technical, but mm -hmm. I do know how to use Skype and FaceTime. Uh -huh. And so I can continue to do my discipleship sessions with, with men in Colorado in the summer. Mm. And I can be at 50 degrees and they can be at 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. And it gives me... Uh, global opportunity. I've discipled guys in Japan and in um, uh, India. Anybody that has internet, I can spend time with them on a regular basis. So, so it's just been very encouraging for me to to have this kind of opportunity. And and I've discovered the the flexibility gives me the margin to to take phone calls from yeah. pastors and to to be available to people in a way that I just wasn't able to be. When I was responsible for a large staff. Now, the uh, one dimension of this that we've alluded to a couple of times, and how you just addressed it a little bit, but I don't want to leave it behind, is is what it, what is this like for the spouse? Um, and we we really probably should go wind this clock back a little bit from the moment you start thinking about this to the point where you've you've come through it. Um, what what what? What sensitivities should a person have in relationship to their spouse as they're moving in this direction and going in this direction, and, um, and, and what advice would you give and things to be aware of as you move, make that move? Well, certainly you don't want to surprise your, your mm -hmm. wife. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife was in on all of my thinking and mm -hmm. my wrestling through, through this. And she did have a major adjustment because she was very involved in mm -hmm. children's ministry and women's ministry. But after a season, mm -hmm. which was cushioned by the fact that in those early years, she went with me on many of my trips mm -hmm. to Israel, to Turkey, to Czech, Czech Republic. And so she knew where you were going. And she was going with me and yeah. actually ministering with yeah. me. Yeah. That's diminished some yeah. uh, at, at this point. But uh, but I think for her, because she discovered how how much joy she got in one-on-one -on -one discipleship mm -hmm. as well, we are actually partners in ministry in a way we were never partners when I was the pastor of a church because mm -hmm. we're both doing similar types of things with people. Now, are you working with couples when you do this? No, so, no. We're not. so 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 a lot of times she'll be working with the wife and I'll be working with the husband. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's not a. A couple. There's, there's not, not a couple a, part of it. And we'll, yeah. do, we'll do some counseling with couples yeah. if their marriage is working through some issue. But the one-on-one -on -one process is a is a process focused on helping that person be prepared to disciple people who will disciple people. Okay. 
Okay. And and what advice do you have? Well, I want to echo what Kent said. Uh, you know, we can't start too early. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully this is the way we've been doing ministry all along. Right, right. With our wives. Right. You know, we're processing what God's doing in our lives. And so whenever we sense any transitions, you know, she was the first one we talked with about this. You know, we bat this around for years. You know, what do we do next? Now, her role in my our ministry now is a whole lot different than it was as a pastor's wife. Hmm. I mean, in a pastor's wife, you're involved in everything together mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of things that I'm involved in separately from her. But for, like, example, last night we went out with a retired physician and his wife. And we, we had a wonderful evening encouraging them together. I mean, she's very much a part of my life, very much a part of our ministry. But I think that's one of the things we're just praying about and really seeking God, you know, how to really grow this ministry between the two of us together and make it stronger. Hmm. Now, what are you still trying to figure out about the transition? Is there anything that fits into that category, or are you just pretty content with where you are, or what does that look like? When we started, we we did not envision developing a resource material that we would put online. And once mm-hmm. we did that, and now it's been translated to a half a dozen languages, mm-hmm. my board is saying, "What's the what's the next transition plan? Mm-hmm. Who's going to take this ministry when you're no longer able to?" Ah, do it? So suddenly, I am I am working through with my board. Mm-hmm. What's it look like when I'm seventy? When I'm yeah, you know. So who's going to be the person who who Takes this this type of ministry and, and and helps direct it to the next level. So, so I would say that I have moved from transition to transition. I've transitioned out of the TCU football mm-hmm. role, did mm-hmm. that for twenty years, mm-hmm. did it with another fellow for three years, and now he's done it without my role, my participation. So I, I'm a transition. Now, is that why they're playing better football these that, days? Well, <laughs> you know, it, it probably has something to do with it. I, I, but we actually had a pretty good run while I was there, too. So okay, I, I, okay. I, but no question, he's done a great job. Yeah. And, a, and a, a godly man who yeah. has a great heart for evangelism, uh-huh. so I'm excited for him. Yeah, that's great. So so, it, so the transitions never stop is kind of what you're saying. I th- think that's sort of the life lesson that I'm I'm finally getting getting clarity about. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, and my transition is not like yours, although people have asked, what are you going to do 10 years from now? You know, my model for ministry, I mean, we've had models here, mm-hmm. Prof. Hendricks, I mean, you mm-hmm. – uh, Pentecost, mm-hmm. I, you know, Vernon Grounds from Denver Seminary was one of my mm-hmm. encouragers. I mean, you, you live your whole life giving your life away. That's right. Now, one of the things I've really enjoyed, I don't work at the same pace mm-hmm. that I did. You know, I don't quite put in the same hours, mm-hmm. and my schedule is eased up slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just working on personal stuff. Uh, where, where does the ministry transition to next? Mm-hmm. What are the new things we ought to be doing? And that's what a church wrestles with. How do we change? You know, you were talking about eight to ten year cycles in a church. You know, I, I think there's cycles for everything. And how do you keep growing, or how do you keep responding to the Spirit of God? So that's my big concern, and how you pay attention to how God leads. And no matter what happens for the organization that I'm involved in, as mm-hmm. long as I'm healthy and clear-headed mm-hmm. and can make it to the coffee shop or mm-hmm. to the computer, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be involved in one you're of in the You're in business. You're, you're, you're in the ministry. You're yeah, in business. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I'm going to shift the question this way. Let's assume that there's someone, probably a strange person, who's in their 40s listening to this and they're thinking through what they're hearing. What, adv- what advice would you give to, to younger pastors who aren't 
aren't in, in this kind of a transition yet and probably are still some distance from it, but uh, it is a part of what ought to at least be a blip on the radar screen. What would you, what would you say to the, to the pastors in their 40s as, the, as we kind of begin to summarize what it is we've been talking about? Let me jump in there. Yeah. Uh, I think you pay – first of all, you should pay attention to the older people in your congregation. Mm -hmm. You know, so many young people – young pastors are focused on younger churches, and older people are feeling more marginalized by the church today than ever before. And I think the best thing a young pastor can do is pay attention to older people in the church and follow what they're going through because inevitably that's what you're going to be going through. Mm -hmm. You're no different than they are. You're just a few decades behind them. Mm -hmm. You know, I spoke at Baylor University a few weeks ago with some honors college students down there, and my advice to them when they went home for the next break, do, do me a favor and go pay attention to your grandparents. Mm -hmm. Just go sit with them, have a meal, ask them questions about their life. You know, the generations are more disparate today than perhaps ever before. Mm -hmm. And I think the church is the great intergenerational organism that brings the body of Christ together. Hmm. So if they pay attention to that, they will transition a lot better, and those older people will start giving them better advice. Hmm. One of the best things I did when I became the pastor of McKinney, I was 36 when I became the senior pastor, hmm. and every month I met with the elders who had retired, the elder emeritus, hmm. they called them. There were about hmm. a half a dozen of them mm -hmm. who'd meet for prayer and then go to lunch. And mm -hmm. they would tell me the stories, and soon it was the same stories over and over and over again, mm -hmm. and we would pray. And I knew they were praying for me every mm -hmm. month. They felt included, and I That's learned awesome. a tremendous amount from those men. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm going to do a funeral this weekend for a 96-year-old widow of one of, the, uh, of, one of those men. Hmm. And... Uh, so I think you spend time with older people, as you mentioned. You you partner with them in ministry. And then whenever we did have to make a change, when we put up the screens mm -hmm. 25 years ago, mm -hmm. which was a revolutionary thing to have the video screens, those older elders knew about it before anybody did, mm -hmm. So except the other elders. Mm -hmm. So they are able to help you make the changes you need to make because they're involved with you in that process. Hmm. Twenty years from now, they'll have to be the young pastors will be making the same pro transitions that we're making. Mm -hmm. So, the more they can get a head start and at least thinking about this, the better it is. Yeah, I I, I really do think that it uh, that it's the, the generational transition and and ministering across generations one of the greatest challenges of the church that also is a very very important challenge because there are very few places today where you have the opportunity to get that kind of cross-generational input that is so helpful to balancing people out in terms of how they face life. I have a 31-year-old and a 28-year-old mm -hmm. daughter and son, mm -hmm. and my relationship with them has been a huge blessing in terms of trying to re relate to their their peer group. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's another thing a pastor can do, not only reach older, but you're, let your kids be a part of Absolutely. helping you be a sounding board. So, so it's yeah. not just your connection with the next generation. Yeah. It's your connection with the generation behind you as we all go through this this process. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for, for coming in and helping us uh, think through transitions, particularly transitions out of uh, senior pastorate into the next and oftentimes final phases of ministry and helping us uh, kind of look ahead and look back and look around and, and, and think through what that involves. I think it's a very underappreciated part of uh, a person's ministry career, and it's, an, and, and it's important to the stability of the organizations that you're a part 
part of. It's important to the to the future of, of the individual ministers, and it's an important part of uh, of doing ministry well. So we thank you for being a part with us, thank and you we there. thank you for joining the table, and we look forward to having you back again with us soon. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.